All right. Grab one. If you don't have one, you're going to also want to take notes. The notes are not for me. The notes are not for you. The notes are for the person that you're going to share it with. So you always want to make notes in order to empower other people with the things that you learn from the Word. Even if it's just one verse that stuck out to you, write it down somewhere. Um, but what we've been doing, you know this, we've been moving through the story of God, and we've been walking through His Word. We've been in Genesis since we started. Believe me, we will move out of Genesis, and we will move much faster. Genesis just controls a lot, or covers a large amount of time. So in uh, moving through Genesis, looking at kind of who God is, seeing God through his word. We've looked at the God before creation. We've looked at how God created the whole world, Adam and Eve in particular, how he, uh, Adam and Eve both sinned, how sin entered the world. And then God made this promise to both of them through Eve that he would send deliverance, that he would send a seed. That's the, the word we keep looking for, the seed of woman that would make things right, that would restore creation, that would defeat the enemy, that would crush the serpent, that would destroy the devil. All these things um, that, that, that man is looking forward to through this seed. And God continues to move that down. It, we, we've already talked about all this. You can always go back and look at videos or listen to podcasts. It's all up there. It's just recording of this where you can go back if you want. But moving all the way through, and we've come through the flood, and we've come to... Abraham, and from Abraham to Isaac, and from Isaac to his two sons, Jacob and Esau. Talked about them last week, and we're going to land today a little bit on Jacob, and we're going to cover a big chunk of ground, but we're going to zoom in on a little spot. So, title today really is uh, where my brain went with it as I was reading it is wrestling with the truth. Um, you ever feel like you do that? Like maybe... Uh, oh, the truth will set you free, but I'm not sure I want to be free that bad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that maybe the truth is something that you feel buried by. Uh, we'll lean into this today. But grab a Bible, and we're going to read a few verses, and then uh, we'll jump in. But chapter 32 of Genesis is where we are today. Um, I'm going to pick up. Let me just read verse 24 here. We'll start. It says, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? Or excuse me, uh, yeah, he says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. Verse 28, then Jacob says, or then this man says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Let me pray. Lord, um, I, I take a knee again under your word. Um, it's your word, Lord. It's not my word. And I say every week that I have the privilege of holding a microphone and and talking about what your word says, but but I in no way want to put my words where your words are. I want your words where my words are, not just here and now, but throughout the week, all the time. I find when my words jump out, it's usually not the wisest words. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that your mouth would always be speaking, but especially now in this time, because we're all students here to learn from you, not from me. I'm a student as well as anyone else in the room. 
And uh, so I pray, God, that you're glorified by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I've talked about this before. Most of you know me, but I love martial arts. I have always loved martial arts. Ever since I was a little boy in the 70s and I saw Bruce Lee do the impossible uh, over and over again, I became addicted to martial arts, not just doing it, but watching it. I got into all the movies. Uh, I, and then I did start learning it a little bit when I was younger, Kung Fu and Wing Chun, which is the style that Bruce Lee did. I got into all that stuff. And then MMA became popular and uh, kind of the mixed martial arts instead of it just being Kung Fu. It's a collection of multiple martial arts. And the UFC started just coming out back in those days. And uh, I would go get the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I would go get the videos because you had to rent them back then on VHS and they were in the the adults only section uh even though there was no naked people in it, it just because it was violent but but man I, I got so into that stuff watched all of it but I will never forget being introduced to Brazilian jiu-jitsu like Hoist Gracie shocked the whole world and y'all you know, don't know who he is that's okay he was the guy who came out with the UFC in the first way back in the first one, and he brought, really, Brazilian jiu-jitsu in front of the whole world. Nobody really knew much about it until him, and and it was mind-blowing watching him. He seemed totally unstoppable, and so did that style of martial art. Um, and it's a form of ground fighting, if you don't know, where you're really struggling to pin your opponent into a painful position where they either have to tap or pass out. Uh, that's the short version of the story. So... Several people in our church do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Most of the kids, I think, in this church do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Josh does it. Um, and uh, I used to do it a little bit back in the early 2000s before my body started hurting just walking. And now I don't want to be pinned anymore. But uh, back when I did it, I remember being one of only two men that showed up one day. And uh, Master Lupo, who was the guy in charge of the, the teacher, he, he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little different since the two of us. Uh, he said, we're going to practice um, blindfolded submission. That's what he called it, blindfolded submission. So both of us are totally blindfolded where we can't see. Now, we're just practicing. We're not in a real fight, but we're both blindfolded where we can't see, and we're on a mat. Uh, and I should note that the other man was about, Six to eight inches taller than me, about four inches wider than me. It was all muscle. He had stretched out ears, piercings, which he'd taken them out all over his face. He's covered in tattoos. He was that guy. You know what I'm saying? And he was super nice, but but very intimidating to look at. And so I'm like, okay, what are we doing? So the thing is, you you put on the blindfold, and then you try to basically submit your partner or at least get them into a position to tap. Uh, but because you're blindfolded, you're not sure where they are. So the key is not to let them go. So how do you not let the person go? And at the same time, all you want to do is get away, you know? I mean, that dude threw me around like an absolute rag doll that day. Um, and today we're going to kind of look at a wrestling match uh, that may be similar to that uh, with, a, with a, a grasp where I'm not letting you go, but... Um, one of these opponents, too, is much bigger than the other opponent. But the smaller one is not going to let him go. And the real shocker in all of this is what's at stake and who's really fighting. 
All right. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to come to terms with your past. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe you have. Maybe, maybe it's something you still need to come to terms with. I don't know. Uh, but I, maybe you've been through doing that and you knew it was going to hurt to do it. Like you knew it was going to be painful or a struggle, but you also felt like you had no choice. And inside you just have this battle going on. Uh, if you're a believer, who are you battling with? Think about it. All right. There's sheets back there if you have them. I got the one, one line on there to remember. I always give it to you. It's, just, it's not the only thing that matters, but it's just an easy way to remember kind of what we're talking about today is this. Sometimes we struggle with God. Sometimes we struggle with God in faith, in prayer, in seeking blessings from him. But oftentimes what he's battling for is our confession and recognition of who he really is and who we are, you could say. Most often we think we know what's going on when we're struggling. But sometimes, maybe, listen to me real carefully here, sometimes maybe that struggle's not about your family and how awful they are or, or what a struggle they are. Maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's not about uh, your spouse. Maybe it's not about a teenager. <laughs> Although I'll give you some grace on that one, you know. Uh, maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe it's not about demons either. Maybe it's God wrestling with us. Using whatever that moment is to bend our heart towards facing something in our own lives. Um, does it hurt? Yes. Does it seem unfair? Maybe. But let's look at it, okay? Chapter 32, verse 6. And again, some of this will be up, some won't. But verse 36, or 32, verse 6 says, The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. What happened? How do we get here? What's going on? Um, You can look back at chapter 27. You can read through this. I'm not going to read through it all. Just tell tell you a lot of it, and we'll look at some of it. But Isaac intends to give his family blessing, the inheritance, to Esau, okay? His favorite son. Makes no bones about it, all right? And he's the older, technically. But Rebecca, Isaac's uh, wife, who heard from God, even before they were born, that Jacob, her favorite son, would rule, would rule the older. She takes matters into her own hands and has this little plot uh, that while, Isaac is out, or while Esau is out hunting for food that's going to be part of this ceremony of him getting the blessing, Jacob and Rachel, Rebecca, excuse me, uh, go into this plan where Rebecca cooks some food, implying that it's from Esau's kill, and puts it in her boy Jacob's hands, and clothes her boy Jacob in Esau's clothes, and puts uh, animal skins on him a little bit. Not 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 craziness, but just to make him a little hairier, because it tells us that Esau had you know hair was a pretty hairy guy and hairy arms. And remember, they're twins. They're born at the same time. They're twins. So other than that, in a lot of ways, they probably look very much alike. And Isaac is very old at this time, and it says blind or becoming blind. Either way, he can't see very well at all, if he can even still see. But he recognizes the voice as being Jacob, 
But he's confused because the feel and the smell and the food and all that aligns with Esau. But to be sure, Isaac does ask. So look at chapter 27. If you got your Bible, look at chapter 27. Look at verse 18. So Jacob went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Look at him. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, Isaac, I am Esau, your firstborn. That the truth? No, obviously not. No. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, my food, for uh, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? How would you catch it so fast? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Wow, now you're speaking on God's behalf here. Uh, verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son. To know whether you are really my son Isaac or not. I mean, Isaac, Esau or not, excuse me. Isaac clearly has doubts. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him uh, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, because she'd put this animal skin stuff on him, like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? Like, how many opportunities does Jacob have here to own this up? Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of it, eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate it. And he brought him wine and he drank it. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near, kiss me my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. And they smelled like Esau's because he was wearing Esau's clothes and blessed him. And we'll stop there. I won't keep reading. You can go on to it if you want. But he gives him the full promises of inheriting the family that Abraham, his father, received from God. That Isaac now is passing on down to Jacob. It should have gone to Esau. He was the firstborn. But now he's passing it on down to um, Jacob instead. When Esau comes back, how do you think he feels? You can read it in your own time, but he is tore up. Not only that, Isaac is crushed when he realizes he's been lied to and that this blessing has been stolen. But it's a big deal. It's not just like something you can just say, oh, whoops, never mind. You stole that. Now I'm going to do it. To us, it's just words, unfortunately. That's the sad thing of the world we're in. It doesn't carry the weight that it did then. It doesn't carry the weight that it did with them. You don't just redo it like In his eyes, it's a hand of God. Like, if that's what happened, then that was God's will to do it that way. And we know it was because God said so beforehand. But anyway, Isaac's crushed, but Esau. Uh, Genesis 27, verse 41 says, Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to him, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. In other words, my dad's going to die soon. And when he does, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, I didn't read it, but you can look back in verse in chapter 25. Esau had already sold his birthright for a bowl of stew to Jacob. So Esau doesn't really care much about his birthright anyway. His His family doesn't mean as much as he acts like it does. His what I'm due does. His uh, relationship to his dad does. But right now he's mad he's been cheated. So Rebecca hears this. She sends Jacob far away 
uh, to her brother Laban, Jake, uh, Jacob's uncle. And um, just like Rebecca was told by God when she was still in the womb, when they were still in the womb, the younger has now arisen to rule the older. But he's in exile. He's gone. Esau then turns around and marries an Ishmaelite almost in order to torment his family in punishment for what they did. Um, it tells it tells you that drives his parents crazy. Jacob goes back to Rebecca's family, and while he's there with her family, uh, he begins to take care of the sheep. He becomes a shepherd. Uh, he falls in love with the daughter. You can read this whole story as well. He falls in love with the daughter of the Laban, but he gets tricked into taking the older daughter first, which is Leah, but Rachel, the younger daughter, is the one he really loves. You can read it in your own time. So he ends up married to both of these sisters. Uh, and then a battle over producing children begins because they both want the love of their husband, even though his heart is set on Rachel. Um, it involves bringing in their handmaids. So before it's over, there's four women who produce 12 boys. Those 12 boys become what? Tri- tribes of Israel. That's right. The 12 tribes of Israel. So, so that's the scenario of what's going on with Jacob. Well, then as that grows and that family gets so big, Jacob realizes it's been, you know, 20 years or so. It's time to go home. It's time to go back. So he goes to leave, and there's some conflict there with Laban. Again, you can read that in your own time. But as he goes back, Jacob's biggest concern is what? Esau. Jacob's biggest concern is Esau. Genesis chapter 32, verse 1, says, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim, which means two camps, uh, that's just a random statement there, by the way, but that's crazy, right? What did that look like? He ran into the angels, and when he sees them, he camps there and says, God's here, you know. Uh, Jacob may have been in this area before. When he was running away from home years before that, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, let me just read this to you because it's important. It says, Jacob left Beersheba, which is way in the south. This is when he was running away from home to Laban in the first place. And he went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place, and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in the place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord. Now, I don't know what he saw here, but God standing there, whatever that looked like, he saw God standing there. He didn't just hear a booming voice, but he sees God standing above it. And he says, behold, I am the Lord, uh, God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Listen to this now. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Not just about you, not just about your children, all families of the earth. Behold, I'm with you, and I'll keep you wherever you... Look what he said. I'll keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And when he was... Which means he knew he was not just dreaming. This place was special. And he was afraid. 
And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. He names it Bethel, which is Beit El. It means house of God. So either way, whether it's this moment or the moment back in chapter 32, verse 1, where Jacob is returning, whether it's him going or him returning, once again, he's encountered these angels' presence there. And in his return, in chapter 32, he camps there. Why do you think he camps where he sees all these angels? I think, we don't, we don't really know for a fact, but I think because he is afraid of his brother. And maybe he's got a little backup, you know. Maybe he's thinking, spiritually speaking, there'll be some backup there if his brother comes after him. We, it's, it's easy to get caught up in bragging on, on the amazing faith of Jacob, but it's also very clear that Jacob was a pretty messed up guy. Pretty messed up guy, okay? Which is awesome because that means God would use me too. You know what I mean? Um, it's also a big deal back in verse 1 of chapter 32. It's a big deal that he calls it the camp of God. Did you see that? Not just the angels. He sees the angels, but he says this is the camp of God. Because that is actually exactly who is camped there. And he's going to find out. So Jacob sends a message to Esau. He camps there where he believes these angels, where he's seen these angels. And he sends Esau a message looking for peace. And this is Esau's response. This is the response. Genesis 32, verse 6. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. What do you think that means? It's been to be bad. Uh, Jacob's been in exile more than 20 years. As far as we know, he's heard nothing from his mom. As far as he knows, Esau still wants to kill him. Uh, certainly, that's what's implied by that. You know, why would he come out with that great big army? You ever felt that way? Like, you really need to face the music on something? Like it's something like you really need to do it. There's something you've been harboring for a long time and, and, and you feel like it's been a long time and you're, you're nervous about it. But you're wondering if the offended person's going to respond at all. What happens if you hear they're loading guns? You know, in essence, that's, that's what's, go, what's going on here. Would you still go through with it? Would you still push the conversation? Uh, Genesis 32, verse 7 says, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Uh, the word distressed, it gets lost, in, in, but, but it really means panic, like, like almost like you're, you're, you're physically distraught, you're so upset or, or worried about it. And he's anticipating Esau's attack. So Jacob divides the camp in half, and he sends out convoy of gifts and segments before Esau arrives. So he basically says, okay, we're going to send one group with all these gifts to him as he's coming. And then we're going to send another group with all these gifts. So, so in stages, as Esau is approaching Jacob, he's going to get hit by all these gifts after gifts after gifts after gifts. I mean, Jacob is doing everything he knows to do to, to kiss tail here. Uh, Dave language, sorry. Genesis 32, though, in verse 9, Jacob then prays. And this is pretty cool because this is a uh, one of the first real prayer prayers in the Bible. Not just like a conversation where God speaks to Abraham or whatever, but a, a Jacob reaching out to God. 
And he says, oh, God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, oh, Lord, who said to me, return to your country and your kindred that I may do you good. Quoting God's word back to him. Always a great way to uh, get into prayer. I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love or grace and all the faithfulness that you've shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed over this Jordan. He's saying, I, I, I left. When I got ran out of my home, all I had was my stick. And now I'm two whole camps full of people. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, for the hand of Esau, for I fear him. No, I fear him that he may come and attack me. The mothers with the children, all of us. But you said... I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. So again, he's calling back on God, giving God, hey, you said in your word. And it's great that he's saying that, but maybe he's forgetting it. Didn't God say that? You're you're right, Jacob. Didn't God say that? So what's the concern? Isn't that funny? We pray. I do it too. We, we, We pray like that, don't we? Like, God, your word says that you're going to do this and this and this, but I'm terrified that this won't happen. If God said he's going to bring him back, if God said he was going to get him back safely, if God said he was going to have this huge family, then why does he begin by saying, please deliver me from Esau, I'm afraid of him? Um, Even in salvation, I feel like we do this if you're a believer in the room. He absolutely promised to never leave us or forsake us. Our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. But when we really mess up and the accuser comes around, start getting all these voices in our head like, God, are you really going to save me? Like, did you really save me? Is it really good enough? Did, Did it really work? Can I really make that kind of a mistake and still be saved? And the answer to that is absolutely. Um, sometimes it's different. Sometimes we go with God as though we need to beg him out of something. Like we gotta, we got to fight him over something. Like, I, 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 look, he wants us to do something. We said no. Or we want him to do something. He said no. And then we got to battle about it. Or maybe he's uh, compelling us towards something we don't want to be compelled to. Or something that we're afraid of. But he won't remove it. Or at least he's not removing it now. Or maybe it's something that we know he's promised to do in our lives, but we're not satisfied with his timeline. I think that's probably the more common one, huh? You know? Um, Maybe. It's not certain enough. And we need a better sign. Show me something. Give me something better, Lord. Help me know so I can be more patient. You know, things like that. Look, uh, Hosea, you don't have to turn to it. You can mark it unless it's up. But Hosea applied this moment to a future generation. And Hosea says this in verse 3. He says, in the womb, he took his brother by the heel, talking about Jacob. And in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel, that's what we're looking at now, and prevailed. He wept and he sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. It says, the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord 
is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. That's great advice. Looking back at that, hold fast, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. Wait continually. I like that those are stuck together. We would just say wait for God. Wait continually implies that you're going to have to wait again tomorrow. And then you're going to have to wait again the next day. And then you're going to have to wait again the next day. Maybe. I don't know. But that's a good word. So Jacob sends uh, these convoys out to Esau. He's got them staggered in stages, hoping to appease them. And meanwhile, here we come to our text. Uh, And we'll move through it quick. But here we come to our text in verse 24, Genesis 32. So, that's, that's the scenario that brings us where we are. And remember, Esau's on his way. And Jacob's left alone now. He's moved away from his family. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, it doesn't say when it started. If you're like me, maybe you initially look at this and think, well, he wrestled all night long. It doesn't say that. It just says he wrestled until the break of day. They could have started just before sunset. Either way, Jacob got jumped by this guy. This is, not, this is not like they had a conversation that got out of hand. This is not like they said, you're an athlete, I'm an athlete, let's go. This, was, this guy jumped Jacob. Uh, that's what's implied here. And Jacob is struggling because Jacob's alone. He gets jumped by this guy. Where'd the guy come from? Who knows? But he got jumped by him. And they're wrestling. And it didn't have to be all night. It could have been a few minutes. It could have been an hour. It could have been... Uh, a handful of seconds. It's just until once the sun comes up or once the day starts to break, it says, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Uh, maybe Jacob thought here, you know, that he's wrestling with one of these angels, maybe. I don't know. Uh, because in a moment you'll see, but he, he asked for a blessing for the person. So he, he recognizes it's not just your average person. Maybe he thinks it's one of those angels. I'm not sure. Uh, but whatever it is, the battle here is the answer to his prayer. Remember, he said, he prayed, please deliver him out of my hands. You said this, you said this. Well, this is the response. This is the response to his prayer. This is God's action from in prayer. Now, is this a man that he's wrestling with? Because if he is, dude, we're going to sign up for his jujitsu. I straight promise you, if he is. Because he touched, do you see that? He touched his hip and put it out of socket. I don't know what you're, you're a doctor. What does it take to put a hip out of socket? <laughs> I mean, a touch. It just says he touched him. Pop. It's out. Like that fight is over immediately. You're talking about significant pain. Um, the angel here, the angel of the Lord often appears as a man. We've talked about that a lot. You'll see it more in a minute. But was clearly known to be God's presence on earth. I believe this is very much God, and you'll see why in a second. Obviously, though, this is not about the inability of this person to win. When it says he didn't prevail, obviously he could have, right? If it came down to, okay, it's done, you know, obviously he could have won. 
So it's not about that when he's saying he didn't prevail. But it's about realizing that maybe in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu model, Jacob's not going to tap. I mean, he could have beat him at any second, but Jacob is not going to tap. Verse 26, then he said, let me go for the day's broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So again, maybe he, maybe he's thinking this is one of those angels or something. I don't know. But consider that the man's hip is out of joint and he's still not letting go of the guy. Still not letting go of him. Even still, Jacob will not release him. He's got to be in some seriously excruciating pain, but he will not let go of him. I wonder what our relationship with Christ would look like if we were that determined to stay close to him. That determined to hear from him, to have him act on our behalf, even when we're hurt, even if he hurts us. For us, we tend to let him go the moment we think he's not listening. That's me. The moment we think he's not paying attention, we let him go, let it go. Okay, fine. Or he's not handling it the way we want him to or whatever. Jacob walks with a limp from that point on. He's probably got a foot. He may even have a foot that's shorter, twisted in, something like that, from that hip being out. Um, this encounter with God, especially when it's a wrestle, I would say for all of us, it will leave us with scars. It's going to affect you. Uh, will it mean your hip's out? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it's going to leave you with scars. Uh, without, without a doubt. Jacob also has a new identity, right? Look what it says, verse 27. And he said to him, the man says to Jacob, uh, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Well, that's a dumb question. Doesn't he know who he is? Why is he asking him what his name is? Yeah, I love you, John. Make sure he jumped the right guy. Yeah. God is, God is, what? Go ahead. He's changing, he's fixing to change his identity, but he asked him his name first. He didn't do that. Like he changed Abraham's name, but he didn't ask Abraham, what's your name? God is about to establish his promises, which he's already given them to him, but he's about to establish them firmly with him right here, right now. Because he's going back to the land that he promised to give him. You could say God is giving him his birthright, in a sense. How did he get the other one? He lied about what? Who he was. He said his name was Esau and stole the birthright. And now you have him here Given a chance to recognize his behavior from God. When he's deceitfully stole a blessing from his earthly father. And now he has the opportunity to honestly confess to his heavenly father who he is. Jacob's name means cheater or supplanter or one who fights to get ahead. And so he's asking him his name. And in asking him his name, it's the same thing that Isaac did. What's your name? Esau. Now he says, what's your name? And rightfully so, he says, Jacob. Jacob feared Esau in Genesis 32, 11. 
He said, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. But now Jacob fears God. Genesis 32, 30, it says Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. We'll get there. But I've seen God face to face and my, my life's been delivered. Like now his fear is accurately placed. Look at verse 28. Um, then he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. So now his identity's changed. He's owned it. Now his identity's changed. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Prevailed doesn't mean conquered. Obviously, he didn't conquer God. It means to endure. It means you have endured. You have prevailed. You've not died as you should have. Because your brother should have killed you. But he didn't. Laban might have killed you, but he didn't. I, God, certainly have a right to kill you because you're a sinner, but I didn't. Um, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. Watch this. Now Jacob says, okay, well, please tell me your name. So again, I'm not sure that Jacob realized fully who he was dealing with yet. I think maybe he obviously thought it was something more than just a person, uh, an average guy, because he asked for a blessing from the person. But I don't know that he knew who he was dealing with. He said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? What does that mean? You know who I am. That's right. You know who I am. Why are you asking who I am? You know exactly who I am. And there he blessed it. So Jacob called the name of that place again, Peniel. Uh, Peni means face of, and El means God. So face of God. For I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. So if you're wondering, was that really God? No question. He said, I saw, I saw him face to face, and not only that, but I should have died. Because if, if you see God, you die, right? So I, I should have died. God has always been present in his creation. This is one thing I hope you're seeing as we go through the word here. Many people saw him, many assuming that they would die for seeing him, but they did not. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Remember that? They heard the sound of him walking. They walked. He appeared to Abraham. We talked about that already Abraham later recognizes him as a man coming on uh, the hill above Sodom with two other men. Jacob here wrestling with a man who identifies as God before it's over. Moses saw him in the burning bush as an angel speaking. Moses saw him in the tent of meeting. We'll come to that. Fate, talking to him, it says face to face as a friend talks to a friend. Uh, Moses saw him on Mount Sinai. Says clearly, 70 elders of Israel go up with Moses and have a meal with him and describe seeing him on Mount Sinai. We'll get there. I call that the first supper. Jesus or Joshua saw him as a man outside the promised land before he went in. Gideon saw him as a man in a wine press, uh, charging him with responsibility. Samson's parents saw him as a man and then saw him again as an angel. It's, it's all through there. It's all through there where he is present. Why didn't these people die? Because many of them said they should. Many of them fully expected to die. Why didn't they die? Oh, see, it's a good question. It's okay that we got crickets. It's a good question. Why didn't they die? Let me ask you this. We believe Jesus was fully God and fully man, right? Why didn't the disciples die? Or any of the people that saw him? 
There's only one reason we don't die when we see God. Grace. That is really the only answer. Right here, back here with Jacob, I saw him face to face and I didn't die. Why not? The grace of God. That's it. Grace. Grace being shown on Jacob. You should have died. You should have died. And there will be people who will see God face to face and will die. And apart from the grace of God, so would we all. For by grace you have been saved. It is the gift of God, not by works. So nobody can boast. Grace alone. John 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh, talking about Jesus. And He dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. Do you hear that? We've seen His glory. Glory is the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. To see Him was to see all God, but also grace. John fourteen nine. Jesus says to his disciples, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen the Father, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. It's black and white, guys. So how does this end? We're at the finish here, but how does this end? What's the result now? Okay, so Jacob has this great wrestling match. He blesses him. All right. Where's the magic wand? Where's the army of angels? You know, what's the what's happening? You can read the whole story, but look at Genesis 33. Look at verse 1. Shortly after this, immediately after this, Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. Look at verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. God knew that all along. Jacob was worked up, freaked out, afraid, terrified, perhaps for 20 years. And God, for the same amount of time, is like, didn't I tell you? When you left, it's going to be okay. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. I don't think Jacob in his wildest dream could have dreamed that not only would Jacob, or would Esau not want to kill him, but would hug him and kiss him? And Jacob hasn't said anything yet. Well, sometimes we wrestle with God and we beg him for a miracle and we beg him for a way out and we beg him for a defender or a protector and we beg him for a battle plan on how I'm going to handle this. But all along, God's already been at work. You know, he's, he's already been at work and what you fear most is probably already dealt with. Is probably already dealt with. All you have to do is trust him. Is trust him. So what do we do with this? Well, again, like I said before, sometimes we struggle with God in faith. Our faith. We struggle with God in our prayers. We struggle with seeking a blessing from him. But oftentimes what he's battling with us for is our confession and recognition of who he is. Knowing who I am, listen, and confessing The truth about that changes everything. If I know I'm his child, if I know that the promises of the Bible that were made to his children are mine, that should change everything about the way I live. And maybe sometimes i got to get up and say it again or tell myself again and again. But if there's sin in my life in the same way, I need to be confessing it. I need to be owning that. I need to be saying it. I need to be telling him that. 
Uh, and if it's a wrestle for me to do that, I better not tap out, you know. I better just fight through it and get it out there and get it said and dealt with. Um, but I'll say this. Jacob's identity was changed to Israel. And if you have given your life to Christ, so is yours. So is yours. My favorite verse, uh, Galatians 2.20. David no longer lives, but it's Christ who lives within me. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. You should see Christ when you see Paul. You should see Christ when you see Dave. My name has changed. I'm not saying call me Jesus, but you understand. My name, my identity has changed. And I'll tell you this, if you're here today and maybe you've never taken the step of giving your life to Christ, I'm going to tell you something and I'm going to be completely honest with you. A relationship with God in Christ always begins with the struggle. It always begins with the wrestle. Because there's sin in you and there's a cross in front of you. And both of them are painful. Both of them are painful. But I can tell you this, that if you do face that truth, if you do surrender your life to him, he will give you a completely new identity. He will give you a new hope. Yes, there will be scars, but those scars will be something you celebrate what he's done in and through your life. If you guys stand up, we're going to do one more song and uh, and then we'll roll out of here. Um, I say each week that, you know, you're welcome to come talk to me now or after the service, whenever you want. I'm here, last one out the door, so you can come talk anytime you want. But, but this time right now, too, is largely just to take a few minutes and think about what we, what we just read, what we just heard, not what David said. Think about what God's Word just said. And, and what is it that God's trying to lead you to do with that? What is it He's trying to make you process in your own life? Uh, Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's um, a long time battle with the truth. I don't know. But maybe take a few minutes and just spend some time with God as we sing and think through that. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege of opening and sharing your word. God, I surrender to it as the ultimate authority. And I pray, God, that it will continue to impact and direct our lives. I thank you that these are not just stories in allegory, but that Jacob is a man who lived. That these events occurred, that Esau was a man who lived, that Isaac was a man who lived, that these people had lives that they lived just like our lives are lived. And that even still, thousands of years later, we can look back and see you clearly through their lives. Let that be said of us, Lord, um, that, that generations ahead would be able to look back and see our lives and recognize even in our struggles and failures 